right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. Hey. I'm Derek Johnson, and uh, we got plenty of audio to get to you today between the KU football team. Got to talk to some different players, heard from Brian Borland, Andy Kotelnicki. We also got some audio from Bill Self and a couple of the players, KJ Adams and Dewan Harris. Uh, I've got some huge news for you, Nick. Oh, yeah? Huge news? Hit me. What's the huge news? Louisville has now five points in the <laughs> second half through about eight minutes and 43 seconds. Texas Tech is up 51-18 to to 18 on Louisville now in the Maui Invitational with 11 minutes left. I, I don't know if, if I should like, so sad. overly emphasize the, the story here of this, what I'm about to say, okay. but doesn't so wait, it make it? you feel a lot better that knowing that you know, Louisville let go of Rick Patino and whatnot, and now they've clearly turned into a dumpster fire that Travis Goff came in and was like, nope, lifetime contract for Bill Self. I don't care about the, the stuff happening oh. right now with the NCAA. Okay, I see what you're saying. So, like, you're saying, like, the Louisville was, like, a quasi-blue blood yeah, program, they were like so to that speak. next year, yeah. And then they have some of the issues, and they're like, okay, we're going to separate ourselves from those issues by getting whatever head And coach. now they suck. And now they stink. Yes. That is tough. And Kansas had the foresight to be like, you know what? <laughs> Let's not overreact to this. And uh, we, we we have a pretty good coach in Bill Self. Let's let's uh, steer into that. Is Ricardino still at Iona? Yeah, he is. Okay. I know they were really good last year. but then yeah, they, they made the tournament, right? No. they, they oh. Well, they made the tournament his first year two years ago. And then last year they, like, dominated the conference, but they got upset in the conference tournament. Oh. Um, let's see. Ooh, they're 81st on Ken Palm, which for a – a Mac team is like actually like very good. Uh, let's see. Wait, what what what? The Mac. Oh, is it the like the, the M Triple A C? Yeah. Yeah, they're two. What even right is now. that? Is that Mid America Athletic Metro conference? Atlantic, or is that what Athletic Conference? Maybe. What's what? Is, what's the Mac? Just Metro the regular Atlantic Mac. Athletic Conference. What's the regular Mid American Conference? Oh, Mid American. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that should be allowed. You can't have the same like. Can't be pronounced the same way. You know what I mean? The Mac okay. and the Mac. Uh, so, right, Jalen enough, Daniels. Enough Mac talk. Jalen Daniels uh, was the quarterback to come out to KU media availability this week. Uh, that he came was. earlier today. Yep. And that has been a clear tell in past weeks who the quarterback is going to be. I don't think that would surprise anybody. He was the starter last game. And uh, even if the injury stuff affected his game, it's not like he didn't play. And so, like, Everybody would expect him to be the starter this week. Again, that's not, you know, crazy that uh, that would be the case. The, the quarterback at media day is undefeated this season. In it is undefeated. Yeah, it's either been no quarterback or it has been the starting quarterback every time. Yep. So, uh, just in case you did have any like questions about, oh, well, maybe is it going to be, you know, is uh, Jason Bean going to be back healthy? And they'll be like, well, last week Jason Bean wasn't fully healthy. That's why we went to Jalen. No, that's not going to happen. It's going to be Jalen Daniels this Saturday. 
Clearly, though, yeah. on last Saturday, both Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean were not 100%, but both were good enough to get by. Both were good enough to at least play because we saw Jason Bean at the end and we saw Jalen Daniels start the game. What do you think they should do at quarterback this week? Forget what is – because, again, we've basically admitted Jalen Daniels is going to start a quarterback this week. Maybe we see a package of plays for Jason Bean. What do you think should happen at quarterback this week? It should be Jalen Daniels the whole way. Now, I did think this was curious, and we'll, we'll, we'll play the audio so you can hear it yourself, but somebody asked Jalen when we were recording about, you know, well, you were running a lot of the option stuff early in the season, and you didn't really do that much against Texas. Like, do you think you'll get back to that? And Jalen was like, I totally trust Andy Kolnicki's offensive game plan, blah, blah, blah. Like, didn't even, like, didn't even answer it, right? So, like, I, I don't know. I mean, because that's the, that's the thing that we've we've highlighted all season long is like, hey, Jason Bain and Jalen Daniels are pretty similar in terms of what their ceiling is, but we've agreed all along that from a running standpoint, Jalen Daniels was the better option. He ran the option better, triple option, read option, all that stuff way better. And that added another level of... of Dynacism to your offense, right? So if J- but if Jalen's not going to do that, then the gap between those two guys is not that big. That being said, you've got to roll with Jalen. You've been rolling. You've been rolling with him all season. He played pretty well against Texas, honestly. Like his numbers are pretty good. He had the bad interception at the end of the first half, but other than that, like he was pretty efficient. Two hundred thirty yards, two touchdowns. Only overthrew Quentin Skinner on that one play on the opening drive. Other than that, was pretty good. The K receivers made plays like. It's Jalen Daniels all the way. Now, I was thinking about this, though, because you were teasing the idea of if you would go with somebody else. Imagine a world where it's Ethan Vasco versus Carson Rubley. Or wait, what's his name? Is it Carson Rubley or is it Jake? What's his, the quarterback for? Oh, K-State, the third, the third string? string? I don't remember. Rubley. Yeah, it's something But he's Rubley. really, really bad. But Vasco's bad, too, obviously. I don't think Vasco's bad. I, I don't know. I, okay, well, I think the point is, is imagine yeah. a world where you have those two guys battling it out. Yeah, that would be a, a Sicko's Committee game. I think uh, it would be. It sure. would be, 100%. Because Rubley threw, like, two passes, and they both got intercepted <laughs> against TCU, right? Uh, I don't know. I just remember things kind of got uncorked for them on that end. Uh, I, I don't think we've seen enough from Vasco to, to fully know, but I mean— No, yeah, I don't. I didn't want to jump the gun and just say— But, I mean, he, obviously, he's your third I string I like for, what he's going to be, but He's yes, your third right. string for a reason. Well— I mean, He's not—you know, bad's not the right word, word to use that. I, I think the way to put it is that—and, again, I, I am on the, the train of— I think Ethan Vasco is going to eventually be a good— quarterback for this team and I mean it sounds like um, yeah but I think to what you're saying is he ready yet um no the fact that last week you had injured Jalen Daniels and or like I don't know not a hundred percent Jalen Daniels who who maybe could have used an extra week off based on how it looked Jason Bean who was injured if they really trusted Ethan Vasco they could have gave him the starting I, don't know, I kind of disagree right? with the idea of giving Jalen an extra week off though because he he clearly needed to get out there to kind of recapture some of that what he had early in the season right so that I, I don't know be, that yeah. giving him a week off would have really benefited him that much no I think that seems to be a common theme in what we're hearing in in media availabilities yeah, this like, week the idea that Jalen was rusty and had to break off the rust yeah I mean that I, last yeah, week like, will help you for this week yeah I mean Speaking with Jalen specifically, he kind of pushed back on the idea of like that he was rusty, but he was like, yeah, I mean, in the first half, the game was a lot faster because I hadn't played, right? And then things slowed down and I got comfortable again, right? So, yeah, I think that there's definitely something, some credence to that to that idea. And again, it's not like he it's not like he played poorly, right? He had a, he had a pretty good game overall. Uh, it was just there were the game was out of hand pretty 
quickly, and after that it was just kind of, okay, you know, offense, do your thing, I guess. Do you think that we see a much better version of Jalen this week? Like, I don't know. Again, it wasn't bad, like you said, but yeah. clearly there there wasn't everything that we're used to. Well, again, last week I was saying cautious optimism. You know, Jalen's back out there. That's great. And I I, I kind of want to use the same thing again this week, and I am cautiously optimistic. I suspect he will be better. I think you have to assume that he will be better. Uh, just based off of having another week of getting comfortable and everything and all that and back in the offense, yada, 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 all that stuff. I think you have to assume that it'll be better. I think still the que- the biggest question mark looms over what are they going to do with the option game? Are they going to use it? Are they going to whatever? Because even against Texas, there were some plays where Jalen could have definitely kept it and probably gotten a lot of yards and didn't, right? So whatever's up with that, that's the biggest thing to, to keep an eye on in the game is, like, if they do that, then yes, I think uh, he'll be much better if he's able to utilize that successfully. By but, the way, Louisville is at 20 points now with seven minutes left. Okay. I don't know if you saw the tweet, but <laughs> before we came on the air, somebody tweeted that in the time that France scored two goals against Australia in the World Cup, Louisville had not scored. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Louisville had I not scored. That. Uh, but yeah, sorry to sidetrack the the quarterback thing. Um, no, it's okay. I mean, I'm I'm okay with with talking bad on the way. <laughs> but no, I mean you're 100 percent right because that that just it completely changes the way that we view the Kansas State game of yeah. what Kansas offensively is going to look like. And to be completely honest, based on some of the answers there about, I mean, it doesn't I don't know. inspire a ton of confidence. I exactly. I don't have a ton of confidence they're going to be able to to do the quarterback thing. Now, do the you thing is like with an aggressive defensive front like K State, a defensive front. That is can really first of all they can get a lot of pressure on the quarterback in the pass game, and they're really good against the run as well. One of the one of the top two or three defenses in the in the conference against the run game. Like the perfect answer to that problem is the option game. It's going to keep the defense honest when they're trying to rush the passer. Number one and number two, obviously, it should be able to get you some more openings as well. Just generally by using the option. Yeah, no, I I think that for Kansas to be successful in this game offensively. Like, Kansas State is one of the better defenses in the country. Like, you look yep. at ESPN SP+, Plus, they rank 18th. I think if you look at ESPN's College Football Power Index, they're in the top 15. You look at just some of the raw numbers, like they're in the top two in a lot of different categories in the Big 12. This is one of the better defenses in the conference and in yep. the country. And so, it's going to be hard enough, as is, moving the ball on them and scoring on them. And for a Kansas team that the defense hasn't really given you much reason to be confident the last couple weeks, you know you're going to probably have to score, I mean, even if 30 points, right? And that's that's a tough ask against a really good Kansas State defense. So um, to that point, you kind of need the quarterback running game. And I guess in my head, and, and I don't know where to go with this because if hypothetically Jason Bean was healthy enough that he could do that and Jalen Daniels... we haven't Daniels, even seen Jason Bean do that. That's the problem. And with Jason Bean he's not good enough in the read option game to make that a viable possibility. So yeah. I kind of think that it's just not going to be in the cards for Kansas in this game to do that. And that scares me for that's bad. Uh, yeah. How successful Kansas could be in this game. Now, maybe it's something where Kansas is just trying to keep it, you know, super close to their vest and yep. maybe in their eyes, like going back to the idea of, last week being a shake-the-rust-off game for Jalen Daniels this week and that you needed him to play last week to help him get accumulated back with everything for this week, 
maybe that was part of the plan all along, that not only was Jalen going to play last week to get ready for this week, but that last week they were going to be like, we're not going to really use the quarterback run game. And well, then when you get down 24 nothing early in the game, you're not going to unveil it at that point. Like maybe you were thinking, hey, if this is a close game at some point in the second quarter, third quarter, we'll start using it a little bit yeah. more. Maybe that's something I, that you're saving for yeah, this game. I, I hated the first part of what you were saying, but then you kind of came around at the end there. Like, you try to win the game, yeah, guys. You like, do. whatever your best play is, run it to win the game. No, I agree Texas. with that, but, but don't you think the first couple drives down, no, with Jalen, you're like, let's see how he looks. Well, and, and obviously, the second part of your point makes is what kind of makes that okay, is that, you know, once once you're getting kind of clobbered and you're down 24 nothing, 31 nothing at half, like, at that point, you're like, okay, let's just maybe use some more vanilla stuff. Like, we're probably not going to come back. So that part is fine. But try to win the game, yeah, guys. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, too, like, the other part of this is this is the final regular season game. And it'd be one thing if you didn't have a bowl game at the end of this from the standpoint of there's no, you know, it's all hands on deck, right? There's there's no return. If, if you play injured and you have to deal with an injury, okay, well, that I mean, sucks. But then you have nine months off after that, right? I personally feel like that should still be the case a little bit. Well, that's that's kind of interesting because... I guess it partially depends when the bowl game is, but either way, Kansas would have at least... They'd have at least two or three weeks. I mean, more than... Well, well I guess yeah, heading into practice. Three weeks. Yeah. But, I mean, if they're playing on the bowl that's on December 22nd, that gives you... Because this game is on, what, the 26th? Something like that? That gives you, three like, weeks, four right? weeks off? Three weeks off? Three and a half weeks. Um, If you're playing on one of the bowls in, like, 27, 28, that gives you, like, four or five weeks off. So, yes, you're right that you would have a ton of time in between to get rested and everything. Yeah. I wonder if that matters, too, for this sake. In, like, they don't play as many guys or the opposite? No, in that they, they view it as, guys. hey, like, Jalen. I'll just say this. I would, rather, take- I would rather KU beats K-State and loses their bowl game than the other way around. I think a lot of people would agree with that, and I, I would personally agree with that as well. I think there would be more to, to come from. So then all hands on deck for K-State. Like, like, like yeah. I said all along, the bowl game, going to the bowl game to me is the, is the win. In and of itself, right? Like, if KU does not win their bowl game, I'm not going to be upset. Yeah. I, I think the question for me, you're right, it's it's the destination is making it there. It's not the national title where it's like, the diff, you know, yeah, exactly. you're not going to measure. Okay. Oh, yeah. Or uh, like the but, NCAA tournament where, like, it's like, you know. Yes. It's not just get there. It's it's yes. win games, right? Yeah. Um, But I do wonder how you balance the fact of, hey, we have Jalen Daniels here. Are we comfortable with him taking some hits? And if he's a little extra sore, we have four to five weeks off between our bowl game or viewing it as, no, we need to protect him again, and then he'll be fully healthy for the bowl game and into the offseason. No, not the second thing, the first thing. But also, when it comes to like being sore or whatever, I'm more concerned about Devin Neal. I mean, three straight weeks where this guy has just been getting hit a lot and hit hard, right? Like, does he have one more week left in him against K-State where he can get 20, 25 carries? I mean, obviously, uh, the flip side of that is, like you were just saying, you get a month off before the bowl game. But, I mean, 32 carries against Oklahoma State, 20-plus carries against Texas Tech. I don't remember how many he had against Texas, but it was it was a lot. But so, it was a little less because they were down so much they didn't have to use him as much. Yeah, yeah. I would say this. I'm expecting Devin Neal to have a big workload in this game. If all goes right. If all goes right to where it's a competitive game and you're staying on the field. Better be a competitive game. He had 13 carries against Texas. Okay, only 13. Okay. 
It's not as big. I mean, I, I but I will say, I mean, watching it back on those thirteen carries, he was taking some big hits. He was. Yeah, he really had to work for the <laughs> the fifty one rushing yards he had. I would not be surprised if this is a game where he has thirty carries. Again, that's based on the fact of you being competitive and being able to sustain drives. Well, okay. But also he has maybe you don't need him to have thirty carries if Jalen can actually have ten to fifteen carries and run the ball. And again, we're all back to that question again. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm not confident we're going to see much I'm of it. I'm actually not that confident either, but I'll I'll be the optimist. But if it does, game changer. He's Nick Springer. Kansas. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got some Andy Kotelnicki audio, Brian Borland audio to get to you later in the hour. Uh, we've also got some Bill Self audio in the 4 o'clock hour. We'll have our college football whip around. Kevin Flaherty will join us at 440 here. We're going to preview the Kansas-NC State game because that happens tomorrow right here on KLWN with pregame 930 and tip-off at 11 o'clock. We'll do that in the 5 o'clock hour and another edition of Rock Chalk Pickahawk. But coming up next, we've got some audio from the Bahamas from K.J. Adams and Dewan Harris. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Kevin Flaherty is going to join the show in 20 minutes from right now. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And uh, another version of the college football playoff rankings come out tonight. Ooh, the intrigue, the drama. Another version of the fraudulent, fake, <laughs> terrible Yeah, we, we don't have time rankings. for my college football playoff rankings this week and just limited shows with us only having three this week. So we'll, we'll bring it back next week. But sometimes Eric, that makes no it better. No days off for the committee, man. Come on. No, sometimes it makes it better because we get more movement. And yeah, whatnot. no, that is true. As far that as the true. playoff rankings that come out tonight, there's not really anything of intrigue to me. Like the top four is going to be exactly the same. And that I guess the only thing that's of interest is who's going to be number five. Will it be LSU or USC? And honestly, the answer is it doesn't really matter. because It's not going to be LSU, I don't think. But it doesn't matter, does it? Because no. if LSU beats Georgia in the SEC title, they'll be ahead of USC anyway. And yeah. if they don't, and USC wins out, it's USC will be, It's almost like we right? should just not have any college football playoff rankings until, like, after the season. What I if mean, we did that? I, I wouldn't mind if they did, like, one, just to give you an idea of, like, you know how in the NCAA tournament. No, that's uh, dumb because they, they every week they're like, well, these rankings are independent of any other. Blah, 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 blah. I do think it gives you a an idea of where no because if they, they gave you things. hang on no because if they gave you the their one rankings two three weeks ago mm-hmm. when their first rankings was it would be com- so completely irrelevant to what it, to now it wouldn't even matter I see what you're saying but like I, I so like the the NCAA tournament releases their top four seeds um for each of the brackets in like February or something and that is a, a useful tool that a lot of times it, it does give you an idea. Yeah, that's because of, you'd have to lose like a hundred games after that to not be a top four seed. I, I think a lot of times though the teams who like one seeds there end up being one seeds, stuff like that. They're, yeah, because it, they're good the first, teams. The first impression matters. I think it does. Um, <laughs> so I wouldn't mind if they do that, but I, I think it would be fine if they just did like once every other week or something like that. Even obviously it's a TV grab, it's a money grab, so they're not going to stop. But also this would just be a lot simpler if they just had like a. Like, you know how the college basketball, they have the net rankings. Like, come up yeah. with your own BCS formula for this. I don't wow, know. the BCS. What a, what Bring a concept. It back. Bring it back. What a concept. Well, TCU survived Baylor on Saturday. I, yeah, that was wild. I think this is trending more and more that TCU is just uh, 2014 Florida State. They're gonna so, if you remember, out. so Florida State wins the national title in 2013. Or, I guess they won the title in 2014. 2013, but they, it was the 13-14 season. The next year, 
2014 Florida State that played in the 2015 playoff. Florida State goes undefeated. They go 13-0. They're the defending national champions. You yeah. cannot leave them out of the playoff. Correct. You just can't. Yeah. But everybody who watched that team was were they, like— Were they frauds? They kind of were um, because they Is went TCU undefeated. frauds? That's what I'm kind of asking here. I Let me see if I can pull up that, that 2014 well, Florida State Well, it's the age-old question of like a team, you know, they're 7-0 frauds, 8-0 frauds. Nine and over. Like, at what point do they just become not frauds? Yeah, I, I guess it just depends on what you like. For, yeah, they're they're not frauds realistically, but are they are they frauds <laughs> as for as far as being a national title contender? Yes, I think they are. So this is this Probably. is what that 2014 Florida State team did. That again was coming off winning the title. They went 13 and 0. You couldn't leave them out of the playoff. They beat Oklahoma State on a neutral field 37-31 to open the season. That Oklahoma State team was not ranked to open the year. I don't know if they finished the season ranked. Um, they beat 22nd-ranked Clemson, 23-17. to So, again, sneaking by. They won at NC State by 15, so close enough game. Uh, they beat number 5 Notre Dame, which at the time Notre Dame was number 5. They beat them 31-27, to if I remember right. Um, Notre Dame had, like, a touchdown that would have won them the game, but it got called off for an offensive pass interference on a, a pick route play. Um, then Florida State held from there. Yeah, Notre Dame ended up that season 8-5. and five. So even though they were ranked 5th at the time, didn't end up being great, but they s- skidded by again. Okay. Next week, 42-31 at Louisville. It's kind of close win. Next week, 34-20 over Virginia. Kind of close win. Next week, 30-26 to at Miami. So one score win. Next week, 20-17 to at home against Boston College. So again, close win. Next week, 24-19 to against Florida. Again, a one-score win. And over the course of all these close games, the only teams that were ranked were Clemson and Notre Dame. And again, Notre Dame didn't end up the season ranked. And then they beat Georgia Tech in the ACC title 37-35. to So all <laughs> along the way, this team was winning close games. What did they games. do in the playoff? I don't remember. They got the three seed. Or no, they got the two seed into the playoff. Oh, they got smoked by Oregon, right? They got smoked by Oregon. So that's what I feel like TCU is. The, you okay, can't no, leave them okay. out, let me, but they're going to get smoked by like Georgia. Let me counter with this. Wait, is TCU going to fare any better than USC against Georgia? Hmm. That's a good question. Or I Clemson, think, for that matter? Probably, uh, your answer is, yeah, it probably doesn't matter. And um, you go back over the history of the college football playoff, and like They're every all year there's at least one blowout, and a lot of years it's two, right? So from the standpoint of the question you're asking, of is it, is it going to change things for me to blow out? No, probably not. But I guess I'm more viewing it from the lens of will TCU actually compete or have a chance at winning? I think they're going to get stomped on. Okay, how's that any different from any other year of? No, again, I'm not. I'm not saying it is Cincinnati, different. 2014, Florida State. Yeah, whatever. Fill in the blank with this team here. That's that sucks. That it's gets it's not different than those past years. But I think for some people, if you viewed TCU as being this undefeated team, and it's like, oh, why why couldn't they beat Georgia? What if TCU goes 13 and 0? And the committee says, no, you're out. They, I don't think they would. What if, though? What if? Um, like, what if they said, you know what, TCU? Like, let's say, like, Michigan loses to Ohio State in, like, quadruple overtime. And they're 11-1. and one. And TCU barely beats, you know, And then LSU whatever, beats K-State Georgia in the SEC title. And, like, and yeah. then they're like, you know what? Michigan, you're in. TCU, see ya. What happens? Well, the Big 12 would certainly riot. I think Brett Yormark would say something publicly. Um, Brett Yormark would be like, you know what? Now we're going to play in Germany even harder, <laughs> even more. 
I mean, I, I would like to say the answer would be that it would lead to riveting change in the playoff and would lead to it quickly establishing the bigger playoff because you would have some people from around the country. I mean, obviously everyone from the Big 12, but also if you were teams from other conferences. What if it just that led in, to the demise of the playoff? They were like, I would like this is to say stupid, that it would, get rid but of it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't because at the end of the day, it's the committee money. would just be like, yeah, we'll just deal with you yelling at us for a few weeks. We're making too much money. Like, we'll do us. Well, if they don't, if they do that, the committee has like, okay, next question. Who is in charge of the committee? That's the problem. There's nobody who is like above the committee. So it's not, we should be able to collectively as college football fans fire the committee. Yeah, they no, do a but bad they, job. But this isn't like this isn't like voting. It's not like oh, we can vote him out of office, or we can like that's what, no, but that's what I'm saying though. We should still have the right to like fire them if they do if they suck. I think we should do that. I think as part of like the ballots that we vote on for politicians, we should have the college football playoff committee. Yes, to vote for them. Hundred like percent agree. Part of the presidential election. Yes, and you serve your term for four years. Yes, I hundred percent agree with that. Mm. Or just like or just like you know, have some sort of ultimate veto of the committee. We're like. You're fired. Fan vote. <laughs> Just on Twitter. It's a Twitter poll. Or something like that. You know what yeah. I'm saying, though? Like, like something. <laughs> Just something to... No, you're right. There's no checks and balances, right? There isn't. No. They could do like, whatever with, they like want. With, like with the BCS, it's a computer. What yes. are you, you going to do? You're going to get mad at the computer? Yeah. Well, like, hypothetically, like, what if the committee was like, we're going to put Kansas in there, and <laughs> like it was just a renegade committee, and they're like, we don't care. What are you going to do about it? Because there's nobody above them, you know? That'd be so awesome. It would be. What do we have to? What do we have to do to lobby the committee to put Kansas? Just in there? I don't know. Qatar figured out a way to get That's the World true. Cup. Yeah, we can probably figure okay, out a way to bribe there, someone. You, you have billions of dollars just laying around. No, but you know some people do. If, you know, David Booth. If you're listening to this, That's true. Here's your chance. That is true. A little, I don't know, ten million dollars here. $10 I mean, million surely if we there. get like Brett Yormark involved or somebody, be like, hey, just pay him a <laughs> billion dollars and we'll get Kansas in there. Mm-hmm. And. All the Kansas fans will go to the national championship. Yeah. <clears throat> how about problem- USC? What? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I don't know. I was just gonna say, how about USC? Are they? I. They are. They are, they are Oklahoma equally to me. frauds as TCU. I think. I feel like they are just Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, all over again. Just shifted west. They can't play defense <laughs> at all. But like offensively, they're okay. insane. Here's what I don't understand about Lincoln Riley teams not being able to play defense. He doesn't. He's not the defensive coach. <laughs> Just hire somebody to play. De- hire somebody to coach the defense. I mean, they they do. They have defense coordinator, and they hired like, well, like hire Alex. somebody better. They they got Alex Grinch, who was like the the top candidate out there, and he did a little bit. But like, I, but at like, some wh- point, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, like why is it that Lincoln Riley coached? teams do so bad on defense for so long he doesn't even coach the defense i get that i i wonder if it's a recruiting thing he just spends too much time recruiting the offense he just doesn't doesn't recruit enough good defensive players to come in i don't know okay that'd be my only guess buy into that did caleb williams do enough for you in that game against ucla to make you think he could win the heisman now okay here is my take on the heisman and the heisman moment caleb williams had his heisman moment too early (laughs) <laughs> he had it too early because C.J. Stroud's going to go out there and he's going to probably not even be that good, but he's going to make a big play against Michigan and Ohio State's going to win. Boom. C.J. Stroud Heisman winner. Well, so and Caleb the, Williams had it too early. Well, now if, if even if Ohio State loses, but like Blake Corum goes off for Michigan, maybe it's his Heisman moment. But exactly. like I look at the stats. So Caleb Williams. It's recency bias, man. You had your Heisman moment too early. Well, I mean, he's still got a chance because he's going to be playing Notre Dame this week, which is going to be a very much watched game. 
Uh, and then he'll have the Pac-12 championship, which is probably going to be more intriguing than the Big Ten championship because it's going to be like Ohio be... State-Iowa. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not Iowa, is it? It is. Let me check the Big Ten. Yeah, because uh, Iowa State, the worst no. team in the Big 12, beat no. the team who's winning the Big Ten West. No. Yep. I disagree. You disagree. And who knows? Maybe that hurts C.J. Stroud's numbers because Iowa's defense can maybe hold him in check a little bit. Um. Well, you check on that, though. I'm, Caleb I'm Williams I'm, 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 has 3,480 passing yards. CJ Stroud has 2,991. Our Wi Fi is not that good. So no, it is not. Slow. Caleb Williams has 33. What? What? <laughs> Iowa, how? I am irate. No. Iowa should be banned from the Big Ten title game. <laughs> Are you joking? Told you. This is some kind of joke. Yeah. So, I mean, it's actually a bigger stage for Caleb Williams versus, like, Oregon or something. See, this is this is why teams are going away from – or conferences are going away from the divisions. This is a joke. No, divisions are fine. It's just the Big Ten needs to change their divisions. <laughs> okay, but, yeah, Caleb Williams, he has 500 more passing yards. He has 40 total touchdowns to three interceptions. C.J. Stroud has 35 total touchdowns to four interceptions. If you look at – um Yards per attempt, Stroud's at 9.7, Williams at 9. So Stroud has him there by a little bit. Williams is the much best, better runner. He has over 300 rushing yards. Stroud is at 77. So then you add in those yards as well. They're, the Big Ten sucks as a conference. It's just two teams. Like besides Michigan, Ohio State, and I guess Penn State, everybody else is terrible. But the reason we think Penn State is good is because they their only losses are two Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, I, I, exactly. I'm not by, even sure that Penn like State's that good. Yeah, they might have just feasted on some bad teams. I don't know. I mean, I mean, the fourth best team in the conference, I guess, is Iowa mm-hmm. or Purdue. Like what? <laughs> That's embarrassing. All right, who's still alive for the playoff? Georgia, obviously. Hey, we're getting to a <coughs> point. If Georgia wins this weekend, they're clinched, right? Uh, yeah. Well, who are they playing this weekend? I have no idea. Um, Georgia Tech, probably. I feel like that's the rivalry game they play at the end. Hypothetically, if they lost to Georgia Tech and then the SEC title, at that point, I don't think they make it in. But basically, they just win one of their next two they're in. Uh, LSU is alive, but they have to win this week and then the SEC title, which this week they're against a and I don't know if they're home or away. Ohio State and Michigan, the winner. Would the winner – okay, this is interesting. Does the winner of Ohio State-Michigan, are they clinched? Are they in? Yes. I think you're right. I mean, unless you lose 9-6 to six to Iowa. No, but even then, I think they'd still have a better resume than one loss USC or one loss Clemson. Yeah, probably. So that would clinch them in. I mean, USC has one top 25 win. Yeah. So I think I think winner of Ohio State-Michigan I don't know. Clinches. Have you seen Michigan's schedule? That's it's true. It's also bad. That's true. I guess as long... I don't know. I, that would be very interesting if that happens. Um TCU has to win out, USC has to win out, Clemson has to win out, and in the case of USC and Clemson, they need help. Yeah, miss anybody? Tennessee's done now. Tennessee's Sucks done. Sucks for Hendon Hooker. Yeah, that is sad. Mm-hmm. He's like sad. a Heisman I don't candidate, know. Was too. He, I mean, was he eligible for the draft this year? Yeah, he. I mean, he's like 25 years old. Yeah. Um, I guess that's a good point. I don't know. I, I bet you he still gets an invite to the Heisman for like a – but he won't win it now. Like a pity invite? I didn't want to say that word because it makes it just sound rude, but I kind of think, yeah. I, he had a great enough season to be a legit invite. Would you accept a pity invite to the highest yes. ceremonies? Yes. Even if you knew you weren't going to win? Yes. And like you, Free were, trip. Like, you were just there so that everyone else could laugh at you? 
I don't. <laughs> I don't think everybody there is like. I'm not, say, I'm, not, I'm, not the, about, psh, 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 I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about Hannon Hooker. I'm not talking about Hannon Hooker. I'm talking about you specifically, Derek. Johnson. Oh me! So like yes. I didn't even play a down a college. Football. No 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 no. Okay. You you play a season, like hypothetically, rewind the clock. You play a season of college football. You're doing really well. Then you get hurt, and you know you're not going to win. Like everybody knows you're not going to win. Yeah, I don't care. I'm going. And they send you an invite. Yes. Say hey, you suck. You got hurt. I don't think they would say Here's that. Here's your invite. Because we feel bad that you got hurt. That still means you're one of the top five players in the country. So, yes, I would gladly accept the invite and go and get my free trip to New York. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports, joins us next. This is RCST. Welcome back in Thanksgiving week here on RCST. Tomorrow, our final show of the week. Join now, though, on a Tuesday by one Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. And this is always such a wonderful week for college sports. We get Feast Week in basketball. We get all the college football action on Friday, even Thursday night, and then into the weekend to the final week of the regular season. Uh, I want to talk with some some Feast Week stuff for, for hoops with that going on, I guess, more in the near term. KU plays NC State tomorrow morning in the battle for Atlantis. Is there anything overall that, that sticks out to you about the tournament as a whole with the battle for Atlantis and, and any specific possible matchups uh, for Kansas that they could have to play? Well, I don't think so. And the reason I say that is I think that Kansas is such a, a work in progress this year that when you look at at some of the teams that might present really good games at this point, I don't think that Kansas is necessarily going to look the same way in February as it does now. And I'm sure Bill Self would tell you he hopes that's the case. But, you know, last year, it's funny because I feel like last year's team, we knew heading in kind of what they would be, or at least had a pretty good idea. You still lose that game to Dayton, you know, where you can – you know, check off a list of reasons why they lost that. You know, it was even Bill Self said after the game, you know, hey, we got up. I tried to use some some weird lineups to try and see if they would work, et cetera. Dayton got back in the game and wound up winning it. And, you know, and so I think that that's the big thing for, for Kansas this week. They're still trying to find that rotation in the groups of guys that, that can really work and close things out. They're trying to find which guys on the bench they can kind of depend on a little bit. And so I don't know that this week is as much about, hey, Kansas-Tennessee, potentially great game, et cetera, as much as it is, hey, Kansas come out of this weekend with a better idea of, of who you are and, and kind of which guys you feel like you can count on. Kevin, Derek and I have had this discussion back and forth. I subscribe to the theory that November basketball games don't matter at all. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? So I would agree with one notable exception. Uh, I think that it's important for Gonzaga. And I think that the reason why is Gonzaga, I think this year is really interesting because they aren't maybe as polished as we thought they would be at this point. But Let's be honest, and I'm, I say this as somebody who's somewhat of a Gonzaga truther, um, we're going to forget about Gonzaga in January and February. And, and, you know, as they make their run through the West Coast Conference and 
and you know wind up either losing one single game where they don't show up that night or they wind up going undefeated and so I think November is important for for teams like that where you're trying to figure out okay is this is this team as as good as we think they are? You know, they're really going to challenge themselves. But for teams that that play in multi-bid leagues, no, I I don't think it's super important. Obviously, you don't want to come out of, you know, November with a Louisville-style record. But at the same time, you know, it's more about getting ready for January and February than it is, you know, hey, you got to have this win at, at this point in time. How many times have we seen Kansas take sort of a surprising loss in November or December? And you say, gosh, like that doesn't look real great for, for the season. And then Kansas winds up winning the Big 12 and having a high seed in the NCAA tournament. And all of it was was kind of mooted and just something for people to argue about. A la Dayton last year, right? Sure, sure. A la Dayton, you know, the you think about, uh, I realize I think it was a December loss, but you think about like the San Diego State loss with the Wiggins and B team, you know, there, there are a lot of those that you can look at, the Arizona State losses that, that Kansas had, you know, where you look, you came out of those feeling like, hey, that's, that's not necessarily who this, who this team is. It's not something that stopped them from getting a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. And I, I really think Bill Self feels like if you're the best team in the Big 12, then you have a chance to be the best team in the country. And so a lot of it is kind of pointing toward that conference season and finding out who you can lean on and who you can't lean on. And so it's more important in terms of getting guys, you know, playing time and reps and things like that as opposed to, hey, you, you have to win this game. Well, as I mentioned, there's a lot of good college basketball on this week. Is is there a game outside of Kansas um, that that maybe or, or a couple matchups that you're most intrigued by for for the week ahead here? You know, I I really I, I kind of wish that I could say yes, but it, it's hard it's hard for me to say to circle like one game and say, hey, this is this is it. This is what I, I'm excited to see because there's so much of it. Like it's, I feel like you mention a game, you know, say at, at uh, in the Maui Invitational, and say, man, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that, and then it winds up not happening, or it winds up uh, winds up being something where it doesn't quite live up to expectations. I was looking forward to seeing Texas Tech uh, Creighton yesterday because I, I was. I was looking at it and saying, you know, Creighton is a team that a lot of people think that, hey, this is, they returned four starters from last year. You know, they, they add in Baylor Shireman. They're probably, you know, I don't want to say any team is like at its ceiling now, but they're probably closer than a lot of teams are. And so I felt like that would be a really interesting test. For Texas Tech, I'm interested to see how Arizona does in Maui because I, I'm trying to figure out still, hey, how good is that team? The problem with Arkansas is I think Arkansas is going to be a really good team down the line, but they aren't anywhere near what they will be. And they don't have Nick Smith because he's not healthy. And and I feel like that's, you know, I'm rambling, but I feel like that's one of the things that makes it tough this week is – 
there are a lot of games and a lot of teams that that you want to watch and, and say, hey, Arkansas Arizona would be an amazing game, but Arkansas Arizona being played right now is not going to be the same as Arkansas Arizona in March. They're going to have different lineups, especially in Arkansas's case. They're probably going to play differently. And so there are some fun games out there, but not necessarily anything that I have specifically circled at this point. Is there a team in the early going of the season that sticks out to you about maybe the biggest surprise in a positive way? And is there maybe a team in the early direction that that maybe you've been a little bit disappointed by? Maryland has been shockingly good. Uh, I, I honestly think, you know, that's a, a team looking at him, I thought, you know, hey, this is a team that probably has a chance to have an okay starting five, you know, with the with the transfers they brought in in the backcourt. But I didn't think they were deep enough. And, you know, and even with that starting five, it wasn't a group that I thought, hey, this is, this is going to be a, a dominant group or, or anything like that. And they wound up... Uh, wound up being exactly that. You know, they've been terrific so far and really ahead of schedule. I thought Virginia would be pretty good this year. They've probably been better than I thought because the offense has been so good. I mean, you're talking about a group that I think had something like 1.25 points per possession against Baylor uh, in that win. As far as disappointing teams, there are a few. Florida State has been really disappointing, obviously, but you know some of that is injury. But you still, you know, thought that that would be a better team. As weird as it sounds for a team that's undefeated, I don't think North Carolina has looked much like what a lot of us thought North Carolina would be, with returning as many guys as they have and everything else. And I don't know if it's if it's a team that's bored and hey, they're gonna. They're going to ramp things up and look really good when they have to. But I think that's also pretty dangerous. You know, obviously, we're all familiar with KU basketball history. You look at Bill Self's second team that had, you know, that senior dominated lineup with Wayne Simeon and Aaron Miles and everything. And they won some close games where they came from behind from some pretty big margins. And it seemed like they were kind of okay. You know, when they flip the switch, they're really, really good. And then they wind up getting in that game with Belmont, and, you know, the, the switch just never flipped all the way on. And so that makes it that makes it kind of dangerous. And that's what worries me about North Carolina, because I think as we sit here today, if you were to say, hey, let's have an NCAA tournament tomorrow, do we really think Carolina would reach the Sweet 16? I mean, they might. But I think that it's a bigger question than maybe a lot of us would have thought going in, especially with a team that returned so much continuity from the way they ended last year. Switching over to football for Kansas this week, they take on Kansas State on Saturday. After seeing the Texas game and some of these recent teams kind of running all over Kansas, how much worse does this matchup now look for Kansas against Kansas State? Well, it looks rough in that respect, and I, I think the other thing, too, Derek, is, for one thing, it was awesome to see Jalen Daniels back on the field. I don't think that any of us would have argued against that, and you have to reach a certain level of health just to be able to compete on the Division One football field, and so it was great to see that. I think after about the third time or so that you know Texas just went all in on the dive back on the little read play and and Jalen Daniels still didn't keep it. 
you figured that Jalen wasn't going to keep the ball. And and Texas knew that. And I think that that's one of the big challenges in this game, too, because you're not going to stop Kansas State's running game in this this contest. I think that, you know, you could hope maybe to, to kind of slow things down. You could hope maybe... You know, Kansas State puts the ball on the ground once or twice, or you get a, a key turnover or missed field goal or something like that. But you're going to have to score points to win this game. And I think that's the other part. You know, if Kansas can hold Kansas State, let's say, to 31, I think earlier this year when you had a healthy Jalen Daniels, you would have felt like, okay, Kansas can get 35 and win that game 35 to 31. I think the challenge heading into this game is you want the defense to be able to step up. You want the defense to be able to hold down Kansas State's offense a little bit. But the offense also has to have a big game. And I think that that's the issue if you're looking at rolling out, you know, a less than 100% Jalen Daniels is if Kansas doesn't have the ability to tap into a lot of the things that made Jalen special, you know, the fact that he could keep on those run plays. And so you had to have people tracking him. It took you know, fewer people out of the run. It took more people out of the run fits and things like that because you had to account for him. You obviously had the full triple option game available to you and and all of those things. And I'm not sure that Kansas has a better option with Jason Bean perhaps a little bit limited. Your other options, a true freshman, you know, in, in Ethan Vasco. And so I, I think that's maybe one of the bigger questions to me is even if the defense does tighten up, does have a game, let's just say like the Baylor game, where Baylor moved the ball up and down the field on Kansas, but Kansas was able to get turnovers and, and kind of hold that offense down just a little bit. If Kansas's defense pitches another game like that, does Kansas's offense have the firepower to win that game? And I think that's a pretty big question to be answered, too. Well, elsewhere around college football, um, Tennessee lost. They're probably done. We, we were talking in our previous segment that you know, if Georgia just wins one of the next two, like they're probably in. And that led to a question on the Ohio State-Michigan game. If Ohio State or Michigan beats the other and then loses in the Big Ten championship, do you think they would still get in? No, I don't think so. And I think that, you know, that's going to create a really a really tough situation because I think you still have a chance of getting a one-loss um, I think you're looking at it at this point. I think TCU has a really good chance to to kind of finish this thing off and, and go undefeated. I think you're looking at a possible one loss Pac-12 champion, and as the committee has shown in the past, they reward that championship over a lot of other things. It's kind of it bumps you to the front of the line, so to speak. It's like a park pass almost. <laughs> and so, and so when you when you look at when you look at if Ohio State and Michigan are both sitting there with one loss, one being to the other school, and neither of them being the Big Ten champion, especially with how rough the Big Ten has been this year. I mean, the the Big Ten West is going to be Iowa, right? And so you look at Iowa being a team that lost to the 10th best Big Ten, Big 12 team. I just I don't see that being a situation where the committee would be real excited to say, you know what, let's let's go ahead and pick one of those schools to uh, to do that. The good news is, I mean, this is a hypothetical that I'm not sure will will happen just because the Big Ten West has uh, 
has been so rough. But I do think another interesting scenario that I'm sure you guys have talked about is if Ohio State, let's say Michigan wins by three points, by a field goal on Saturday, and then Michigan goes on to win the Big Ten championship, I think there's a real chance at this point that you could see both of those teams go ahead and and get in. But I'm not sure that it works the other way around because of Michigan's really poor non-conference schedule and and everything else. I I think for the Big Ten to get both teams in, I think Michigan has to be the one to win on Saturday. It has to be a close game, and then Michigan goes on to win the Big Ten title. Yeah, because Ohio State had that – just kind of the one crown jewel non-conference win that they were able to get over Notre Dame, which is looking a lot better after they kind of went in their lull earlier. So I think that's a good point. And I think Tennessee losing certainly helped that. But that would be quite the debate over a potentially, you know, 12-1 and USC, 12-1 and Clemson, or a, you know, one-loss 11-1 and Ohio State between if there was, I don't know, one spot available for those three teams or whatnot. Sure, and you know Clemson at that point would have the ACC title, you know, but at the same time Clemson would also have the absolute beating at the hands of Notre Dame, you know, which lost to Ohio State, and so I think that it's one of those things that's tough to predict. I'm sure from a storyline standpoint, and I don't think the committee picks on this at all, but from a storyline standpoint, I'm sure that they would love for a 12 and one USC team to be sitting there and be a potential, you know, selectable team, you know, with Lincoln Riley being in his first year there with, with some of the talent in that program, perhaps USC, you know, could be the sort of team that that could win a game in the college football playoff, especially if Caleb Williams just has one of those kinds of performances. But at the same time, I think, you know, TCU wins its next two games and you're in kind of that situation. I, I agree that Georgia is, is probably in regardless, but uh, it creates some uh, some really interesting debates are potentially still out there. I tend to think because of how badly Clemson lost to Notre Dame, because of how poor the ACC has been this year and everything else, I tend to think Clemson might be, you know, at the back of that line in that scenario. Yeah, and again, the Ohio State tie-in makes it difficult for Clemson. Well, Kevin, I appreciate the time as always. Have a uh, happy Thanksgiving. Before you go, what is the number one Thanksgiving dish? Ooh, that's tough. I am I know some people don't like it. Um, I am a huge stuffing fan. Like, Turkey, yes, I'll have some. You know, I love the the darker meat, the drumstick, but I think when you're talking sides, you know, stuffing is kind of the thing that I pile my plate with, it feels like. Love it. Well, Kevin, like I said, have a good Thanksgiving. You can check out all his work, 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks a lot, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, that's Kevin of 24-7 Sports joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. Let's preview the Kansas-NC State game next. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I am Derek Johnson. And uh, coming up in a little, we'll get to our next Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk. We've got some KU football player audio that we'll get to later in the segment as well, or, or later in the hour, with O.J. Burroughs, Devin Neal, Jared Casey, Earl Bostic, and Luke Grimm. And tomorrow on the airwaves here on KLWN, we got 
plenty going on. So uh, KU pregame for Kansas NC State will be at 9.30. That'll lead to tip-off at 11 o'clock. And then our show will be from 3 to 6. It'll be our final show of the week. So if you're listening to this on the Best of RCST podcast, you might want to ration out your episodes for the rest of the week. Obviously, I would imagine on on Thursday you're going to be away from things anyway, so it won't matter as much. And there's so much sports going on Friday, Saturday that that you'll have plenty to do. Um, But just, just be aware. We will not you make, have. You uh, make it sound like we're going away forever. No, just for the week. You know, only three shows for seven days. You got to ration it out. Don't be. Eh, I guess that's true. You, you know, you have for Thanksgiving. You have leftovers for the next day. Don't yeah. eat the entire turkey, right? Well, um, that would just be. You don't want to do that for a multitude <laughs> of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just pass out from all the trip to fan. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be really bad. We are gonna do a draft of Thanksgiving things, I guess, uh, tomorrow. Okay. And I'm I'm going to leave it very I'm gonna, open. I'm going to get in the war room. Well, there's a reason I'm saying things. I want you to be creative as possible. It okay. D- it doesn't just have to be food, okay. right? Yeah. No. I'll I'll be in the war room. Okay. And I don't know. We might draft a good amount because you can think of a lot of things. We might draft you like could, eight things. Yeah. Each. You could think of a lot of things. You could because there's so many different types of food dishes. There's, there's drinks. Food, there's, there's things that you drinks. do at Thanksgiving. There's yeah. people at Thanksgiving. You know. Yeah. I'll just leave it there. Okay. Yeah, um. Okay. So do what you want. Uh, we also will we'll recap whatever happens in the KUNC State game since we'll have that. And we'll preview the Kansas-Kansas State game on tomorrow's show. It's going to be early in the week, and we'll just hope that there are no like big injuries between Wednesday and, and Saturday and then Wednesday and Sunday for the Chiefs game that we'll preview. We'll have our game picks on tomorrow's show uh, as well. Let's preview the Kansas-NC State game for basketball coming up tomorrow, as I mentioned, 11 o'clock here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. North Carolina State... Um, they play really fast, and they have a lot of good guards. They have three good guards that they play kind of like three lead guards together. Um, you look at them on Ken Palm. I think they're 68. Yeah, 69th now, so somebody must have just moved in front of them from some of the games going on today. They're 46th on offense. They're 101st on defense. By tempo, they're 54th in the country, as I mentioned, which is is really fast. But offensively. They are 19th in tempo on offense, so they kind of get slowed down a little bit on the defensive side so far. They haven't really played anybody, though. No. 4-0. They beat Austin P by 49 points, who's ranked 238. They beat Campbell, who's ranked 168th, by 6. They beat Florida International, who's 242, by 33. And they beat Elon, not Elon Musk, but Elon (laughs) the College, by 11 points, and they're ranked 324. Do you think Elon the College gets, like, kind of mixed up or get some mm. bad publicity or some publicity Do you think they're thinking that? about changing their name? Or no, I think do they been... like the pub- publicity? Well, and also, Elon. I mean, like, would you really change your name if a guy was not, like, had a lot of publicity? Would you change your name? Like, if someone named Derek Johnson was a serial killer, would you change your name <laughs> away from Derek Johnson? <laughs> Gosh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't think I would, but also, like, if it was somebody who was so famous, like, like hypothetically, yeah. If there was another, I don't even know why I'm going here. Why did you get me here? If there was another person, like if there was another Hitler, but their name was Derek Johnson, I would yes, I would have to. You change would change my your name. name. I would yes. Would you? Would you change your first name or your last name or both? I'd probably at that point, like maybe I'd just go by my middle name. You could just take something. your wife's name for your last. That's a good point. Instead. Yeah, change the last name. Yeah, there you go. Or maybe I'd go by my my name got changed at Ellis Island. So maybe I'd go back to that. Yeah, you were talking about that with your family history. Yeah, Wipkowski. Um, (laughs) 
maybe I'd go back to that. But yeah, yeah, if something like that happened, I feel like you'd have no choice. Would you change it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think you, I think you'd have to, or at least go by your middle name. But like, dude, okay, listen, going by the middle name is so risky because what if like you know, I mean, I'm a single. Obviously, this, you wouldn't mm-hmm. have this problem because you're already married. But like, I'm a single guy. You know, like let's say I go by middle name, and then I, I, you know, I get into a relationship, or whatever, and then the other person finds out. That that my actual name is that, right? So it's just like a ticking time bomb, right? You know what I'm saying? We gotta find someone you can trust with that. You know what I'm saying? So I think you, going by the middle name only is just too risky. You'd have to change something. Well, yeah, maybe you would just have to change it so that your middle name is now your first name. You could do that like too, legally, I guess. legally. Yeah. So it's, it shows up that way on documents, and that you're just known by that. Anyway, yeah. that quick aside, uh, NC State, yeah, they're four zero. Yeah, so back to NC State. Uh, this <laughs> game, <laughs> it's uh, okay. With the guard play you were talking about, this this seems like it'll be a good little early test of just how good Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller are as a defensive guard pairing, right? Like, all of the discussion we've had about them up to this point in the season, we've just been kind of operating under the assumption that they're going to be one of the best guard defensive duos in the country. Well, here's a chance for them to prove it early in the season. Right? 100%. Offensively, they're 17th in effective field goal rate. They don't turn it over much. They don't get to the foul line much, though. They don't really go for offensive rebounds a ton. Okay. Uh, they shoot it well from three and from two. I have another question for you. Yes. This is NC State's first non-home game. Does that matter? It's their first, They're in the Bahamas, first game away from home for the season. Doesn't matter. Honestly, not they're, now. They're a, they're a pretty experienced team. They're, they have quite a few guys that are graduates or older players. So Yeah, they're 65th in the country in D1 experience. Yeah, so I, I I don't know. I'm just I'm just posing the question. Like, does that matter, right? Like, you just, you just went through the schedule. They played four cupcake schools. All of them have been at home. Like, does it matter that this is their first road game? It, their first non-home game? It doesn't to me because it's on a neutral floor where Kansas always I mean, travels obviously, well. Obviously, if they were playing at Allen Fieldhouse, it would yes. matter. But, yes. But, I mean, I, I mean, does it? it still matters. I mean, dude, you're not even in the country. You're in the Bahamas. I, I would imagine Kansas has as good of a turnout as any school that's going to be down there in the Bahamas just because they do travel well, and obviously it's a, a good school, so you're going to want to go you know, support your team and whatnot. Um, but it is a smaller – I mean, it's played in a ballroom, so like, how yeah. much yeah, I saw the can video it really it. be a it's home like, court advantage? It's literally like literally a ballroom. Yeah, so I, I don't think there's a true like home uh, – uh, things like this too where it's like a tournament and you're out there for the full week, it, it feels less and less like – So this is the first one, right? Like if this was like the next yeah. game, I would be – I don't I would it throw matters. it out the window. But for, since it's the first one, you don't think it matters? I don't. I really don't. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm just posing the question. Yeah, what I, what I think is really interesting is this, those three guards. So Terquavion Smith, he's an absolute stud. He'll probably be a first-round pick. Really athletic guard, six foot four. Jarkel Joyner and Casey Morsell are their other two guards. They play a bunch, and those guys are six one and six foot three. They both shoot it really well from three. So if that continues against Kansas in this game, that's how they keep it close or maybe even pull the upset. But the thing you notice about Kansas lineups, like, sure, we'll see some lineups with Dewan next to Bobby Pettiford or Pettiford next to Yesifu or, or some form of that where they're playing those oh, two man. guys next to each I'm, other. I'm, I'm- very close to being out on Yesifu. Well, I was just going to say, for the most part, the majority of Kansas lineups that we see is Dewan Harris or Bobby Pettiford, one of the two. Yep. And then it's either Grady Dick, who's like 6'7", or Kevin McCuller, who's 6'6", six, six, or even MJ Rice, who's like yeah. a very athletic 6'5". Sounds like he's going to be available. Yes. But, I mean, he's coming off of being sick and also apparently had kidney stones. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, that's that's kind of... That's, that's painful, man. Like, I, I mean... 
I don't know how much we, we should expect him to play early in this trip. Maybe no. towards the end of it. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I just I, I see the the lack of size from NC State, and I kind of think that but, Kansas okay. should be able to take advantage of that with kind of some the, bully ball. On the flip side, what you were just discussing with some of their their small guards. I mean, we've we've already highlighted the struggles that Grady Dick has had defensively. If he's got a small guy on him. Do we think Grady Dick could get even more exposed defensively in a game like this where you've got, he's got a small guard on him who can kind of blow by him defensively? That's the scary part of this. Because um, on top of that, the other issue is, like, it's one thing if, if you have a team that's able to get by you defensively and kind of blow by you to the rim. If you have a, a, a center like a Doak who can kind of patch up those holes, right, where he just kind of rotates and is able to get a block shot or a contest at the rim, KU doesn't, obviously doesn't have that either right now, right? So... If a little guard gets by you at the perimeter, they're probably going to have a good chance to get to the rim for a fairly easy layup, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I see this going one of two ways. You're 100% right. Either those little guards are out quicking KU and, you know, kind of blowing by Grady Dick and some of these other players, and Bill Self is just furious and they're <laughs> giving up all sorts of buckets because of it, or the size both bothers NC State when they're shooting the ball and it really causes them problems on the defensive end. They haven't been yeah. great defensively this year. They're actually really good at defensive rebounding. They're 11th in the country, but, you know, not great schedule. And they've also forced a lot of turnovers. But, I mean, when you look at the schedule and everything, you factor that in, they're 101st on defense. So uh, yeah, there is a very Kansas, real scenario where this is just like a high-scoring game where neither team can really stop each other, but Kansas just has more talent overall. But Kansas did really struggle with turnovers against Southern Utah. Now, a lot of that was unforced, right? Like, a lot of it was just kind of some sloppy ball. And again, we I, we touched on it a little bit, but Bill Self is back, right? Like, how much is that worth? What is Bill Self worth coming back in the in this game? But on both sides of the ball, right? Like, I mentioned it uh, after in our recap of the Southern Utah game of like, okay, Bill Self is coming back. We assume he's one of the top three coaches in the country, and especially when it comes to drawing up plays offensively, like that's got to be worth something in terms of getting the offense going a little bit, right? But also, we know how much Bill Self values defense, right? So what are we going to see on that end of the court? Are we going to see maybe even a quicker leash for some of those players, guys like Grady Dick or Joey Esfu or MJ Rice who are, you know, get blown by on a play and suddenly they're on the bench, right? Like, what? I guess I don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, obviously we know that Bill Self was able to still be around the team and, and still be a part of practice and all that stuff, but it, it's, it's one thing to be that and then also it's another thing to be the guy actually, you know, yanking them out, right? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how much that's going to affect. Well, you heard him in the, the press comments audio, and he's like, you know, when you're watching on the side, you're like, get this guy out, <laughs> get this guy in. So I'm sure there will be slight differences in the rotation. Like as much as I think Norm Roberts and Bill Self were, were on the same page, when you come into a game and saying, you think- hey, this will be the first guy off the bench, this is who we want to play here, at the end of the day, it is going to be different. So I do yeah. think there are certain times where maybe the biggest difference to me is that when a player messed up for Kansas – Sometimes they were pulled immediately. Sometimes they were given a longer leash. I think with Bill Self, it'll be pulled immediately. Do you think when Bill Self was watching the games on his couch, just like instinctively, somebody screws up for KU and he like motions or like looks towards <laughs> it, like looks over, like looks to the sideline to, to the bench, like get the, get the next guy in? Did that ever happen? No, just I don't like think instinctively? so. Instinctively, you don't think so? No. That'd be been, funny. The guy's though. been doing it for twenty. Yeah, over what did, 20 how years. did you envision Bill Self was watching these games? Oh, like he was, what in your mind was he doing? I'm envisioning him in his basement on his couch, just yelling a lot. I envision him with a like bourbon or scotch or whiskey. Yeah, that's, okay, in hand. That's true. yeah, that's true. You think he was having something to take the edge off a little bit? 
laying down a little bit, but like yelling from the couch. Yeah, no, he was definitely yelling. Like, why'd you, why didn't you ice that? Or, I don't know, different technical terms, <laughs> basketball. Um, I don't think there's any question he was yelling. Oh, yeah, for sure. But was he like, was he like jumping out of his chair? Probably I don't not. see him being no. a jumper. Yeah. I don't see him being a jumper. Yeah, he's probably, but I could see him being a, a guy that shaker, leans forward, yelling. you know, yeah. kind of leans forward in the chair, shakes his head a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, face palm. Yeah. Why are we doing that? Yeah, hand up in the air, like, yep. what yep. the hell, yep. you know? No, no, I could, I, they should have had a. I guess they can't because NCAA rules. <laughs> like a Bill Self cam. But I wonder if they could do that in hindsight. If they would have had a Bill Self cam, we're like, we can't use this now, but maybe we can in the future. I don't know. That would have been cool. Um, or they should have done something with it. We're like, you can watch the game with Bill Self. Maybe he didn't want that. He was like, he no, probably I'm going to be yelling that. too much. No, he, yeah, he probably did not want that at all. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want that either. Well, when I look at uh, the center for NC State, Dusan Mhorsic, he is six foot ten, two hundred thirty-five pounds. He's shooting 71%. He has yet to attempt a three, so you don't have to really worry about him stretching the floor, which I think is always a positive. Um, solid player, getting around nine and a half points, seven and a half rebounds per game. I wonder if this is... Because I we keep wondering, like, when are the big men going to break out? When are they going to have more opportunity? I think that's going to be really telling. To the conversation of Bill Self, what's the rotation going to look like? How much of a leash is he going to give certain guys? It's going to be at the center position specifically. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I mean, listen, we've talked about it. Like, we still don't really know. KJ Adams might just be viable mm-hmm. as that player, right? And you may not even need to see much of Uday or Edgefer as as at the five position, right? I mean, obviously, KJ Adams is giving up some size to a lot of players, right? But I mean, unless you're playing like an Oscar Sheboy type big man, I think KU can probably get away with KJ Adams quite a bit more than maybe we thought or maybe we expected them to coming into the season, right? Like, like if, if you can get away with K.J. Adams doing that for 25, 28 minutes, like, that's obviously a lot of the game at that point that you wouldn't even use Uday or Edger for maybe not. Or I guess maybe bring mm-hmm. him in and move K.J. to the four, I guess, or I, I don't know. Yeah, and it, it'll be a lot of double teaming and, you know, trying to force steals and whatnot. NC State has... Um, done a good job avoiding turnovers so far this season, but this is, this is a different animal. And what you talked about with... Yeah, they did have Dewan and, and Kevin McCuller yes. coming down on post players pretty much every time. Now, it's a little different this time because with Joyner and Morcel, like Joyner is... They're better three-point shooters. Yeah, Joyner... Let's see, what is he shooting from three? Uh, Joyner is 8 of 15, so he's above 50%. Casey Morcel is 11 of 21, so he's also above 50%. It's interesting, though, because if... If you just slow those two guys down from three, like nobody else, Terquavion Smith takes a bunch of them. He's taken 37 threes, which is more than Joyner and Marcel combined, but he's only shooting 32% on them. Everybody else for NC State, Jack Clark, who's their foreman, is 6 of 21. Nobody else has even attempted more than five. And of those other players, LJ Thomas is 2 of 3. Everybody else has made one or less. So, like, if you just slow down Joyner and Morcel from three, they're not going to be able to shoot it well from three. probably going to be successful. And I guess that goes back in line with the Dewan Harris-Kevin McCuller thing. I wonder who Dewan Harris will be on. Because you could argue that, hey, put them on... Like, if you're worried about Grady Dick maybe getting lost off the ball, 
do you put Dewan Harris on, say, Joyner, and then you put, like, Kevin McCuller on Morcel and try to shut that down? Or I, I think you put Harris on whoever the number one ball handler is. I think that's Terquavion Smith. Yeah, so you put him on him. Yeah, and try to, you know, limit him and, and make also, him. But also, like we've seen, I mean, KU is, seems pretty comfortable with the lineup we've seen the most of, which is KJ at the five, Jalen, Grady, and McCuller, and, and Juan. They're pretty comfortable switching all five positions, right? So it might be a situation where maybe Bill Self is like, you know what, we're just better at all positions, so we're just going to switch everything. I think that's probably most likely, especially when KJ's in at the five, and then, yeah, if you just you slow down those two guys, Dewan Harris is on Turquavion Smith. But again, when you switch everything and you have a guy like Grady who has already kind of been a little bit exposed then you you leave yourself kind of open to the to the concept of well, okay, NC State will just or insert team here is just going to switch to where they have their best guy on Grady and, and go to work right. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know it's it's kind of like that question of certainly when you're switching fi- all five positions, then at that point your defense is basically only as good as whoever your worst defender is, right? Especially when it comes to the perimeter. Yeah. Well, this is certainly interesting. I don't know. Th- this doesn't speak everything. And again, the um. The opposition has not been that good, and it could just be a a system of funneling guys into the center, and, and maybe it's not about the four-man. Uh, but I mentioned the the four-man for NC State is Jack Clark. He's a six foot eight, 200-pound kind of wing stretch four type. And these are the outputs by the four-men of oppos- uh, oppositions for NC State. Four points, six points, zero points, six points. Well, that's going to change. So you can look at that one change. of two ways. You can look at that as, oh, NC State is in for a world of trouble because now they're going to be facing a four-man that is going to be scoring on them. Or you can look at that as um, it's been a really good job. I guess that, that their four-man for NC State with Jack Clark is a really good defender, and that's going to make things tough on uh, a KU player that has really kind of had to carry their offense so far with Grady Dick. Yeah, he's going to be in for a world of pain. With Jalen Wilson coming in there. Right? I would think so. Jalen's just been so good. And I think the thing that he's done really well at is he's just kind of played bully ball and been able to take anybody to the rim. Um, Yeah, I think the one thing, going back to the discussion of Bill Self coming back, is like we've talked about how, well, you know, when you have when you have Bobby and McCuller and KJ and <laughs> Zuby is your other four guys. Obviously, Jalen's going to be your score. With Bill Self coming back, like maybe he is able to manufacture some buckets with lineups like that that don't have to go through Jalen with set plays. I don't know. That's just that's just one idea I've I've, I've thought of. Yeah. Well, I'm looking now. We had Evan Miakawa on last Friday, um, and on his site, Jack Clark is only a plus one point seven in his DBPR which is not, like, a great number that's slightly... I guess zero would, would probably mean, like, average. Um, yeah, that's that's not, like, an encouraging number for NC State. Like, out of, out of comparison for Kansas, their DBPR, which is basically, like, their defensive rating, McCuller's an 18, Zuby is a 14, Grady Dick is actually rated well there. He's a 12. Jalen's a 12, Dewan is, like, a 10. Yeah, literally all... <laughs> One, two, three, four, <laughs> whole, five, whole six, seven, eight. The nine players for Kansas who all qualify in terms of having 30 possessions played, all of them rank as a four or higher. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, defense. I think Jalen should be able to be okay. KU defense, good. That's the way I'm putting that. 
Well, and and the Kansas defense is just is just mm -hmm. good. By the way, Kevin McCuller on this is first on the team in in defense. He is uh, fourth on the team in offense. He is second on total. Yeah, I don't know, BPR. man. I mean, live the game against Southern Utah, McCuller just looked totally lost. I think it was just all totally stuff. messed up. Like he totally still did a lot of out other of things. I know well. that's the thing is like live. That's what I'm saying. Live, I was like, dude, this guy can't get on the. This guy can't play. Like he can't do anything. And then you look at the box score, and he led the team in rebounding. Yeah. Well, it's easy not to, like, focus on a guy defensively, but then at the end of the day, like, nobody scores on him. So <laughs> That's he, he's really good, and I think he'll have a big impact in this NC State game. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got our Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLW. Half past the hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got KUNC State tomorrow, pregame 9.30, tip-off at 11 o'clock, and then we'll have our show a little bit afterwards with Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, and I've taken a commanding 3-0 lead in Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk. Yeah, I'm bad. I gave you the first pick. And, and I still messed it up. You still messed it up. Well, I mean, you didn't mess up the first pick. Uh, last oh, game at Southern Utah, you took Jalen first. He had 44. I took Dewan Harris second. He had 34. You took Grady Dick third. He had 31. I took Kevin McCuller fourth. I he just had 24. got nothing from anybody besides. And then yeah, yeah, it was the rest because you only got between Ernest Uday, okay. Bobby Pettiford. How does Bobby Pettiford have negative three? Because <laughs> he he didn't he have zero 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 and zero. Well, so what did he get the negative had, three from? He had zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. But he missed the shot and he turned it over once. Golly! So you got between Ernest Uday, Bobby Pettiford, and MJ Rice. Negative one. Yeah. Meanwhile, Zuby for Joe Yesifu got me eight, and then KJ Adams was the MVP pick. He went uh, sixth overall in our draft. He got 35 <laughs> points. Was Didn't that because it was all, all of his rebounds? Yeah, he got a bunch of rebounds, got a couple uh, assists. I think he got a couple blocks and steals, and he didn't that miss a shot. Have 24. He turned over five times. Just He had eight rebounds. He had like <laughs> three or four assists. He had like three steals. Just filled up the stat sheet. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The floor is so high for Kevin McCuller. He can have like... Because you were right, he, he he was horrible. He had a bad. I, again, I don't want to go there because he was, <laughs> he was still, not horrible. He was good defensively. He was not, again, he was good live the glass. watching the game, it seemed like he was horrible, but he was good. He just had a lot of turnover issues and just had a bad offensive game. I think is the way of putting it. Okay. But he still impacts the game in so many other ways that yeah. he just the floor there is very high. So I gave you the first pick last time. We're gonna go back to the snake draft though. Um, Are we taking six? Who? That's a good question. Oh, six players. What did we do last time? We did, we did five, five right? each, right? That's why we don't do snake because then so we I, have, don't, I think we have to keep doing that. Right? But you realize that what it do is I realize? still beneficial to you to do snake even if I have the first pick, right? What? <laughs> so would you rather would you rather me pick first every time or just get Why are you one, picking first every time? I'm just picking first here. We're just going back and forth. You picked first last time. I picked first this so then time. Why would you be picking first every time? Because then I would pick first next time. I'm saying in this in this in this matchup, I would be picking first every round. Okay. If we did it like we did last time, if we do a, snake I thought we draft, only did it that way because we were only picking five players, so it was an odd number. So we didn't do. That's why we weren't doing snake because you get the last two picks. We talked about. Am I wrong? You are not wrong in why we initially did this, but what I am telling you <laughs> is that what will come of this okay. 
is that you will only benefit like if we do not do snake I will be picking first in every single well, round. That's what we did you last time, and I like, lost. We I did know, that last time, and I, I lost. Know, so and what, I, what do you mean that's an advantage? I lost. So you want me to pick first in every round? I picked first every round last time, and I lost by 30. Okay, so answer the question. Do you want me to pick first every round? Well, I'm saying I don't understand why you think that's an advantage. I lost by 30 last time I did that. So you think me picking first every round is a, a disadvantage? I don't think it's an advantage you or think disadvantage. It Okay, because well, I lost by right. thirty, and I picked first I every round. I gave you the option I of the snake draft. I picked first every round last time, and I lost by a hundred. I gave you the option of the snake draft. I just want that to be clear. But if you no, don't, we're want... not doing the snake draft because okay. you can't. Then you get two picks at the end, <laughs> right? So with the snake draft, I would be picking first in the fifth round. I would be picking first in three of the five rounds, right? But wouldn't you get back-to-back picks at the end? I mean, that's the whole reason we did it this way because we're not taking six players <laughs> instead. Okay, right? so I I wish I could explain this to you, but I I don't think it's yeah, going anywhere. What am I? I don't understand. Like all our time. Well, Basically, I don't understand what I'm missing. If I was picking first in the snake draft, I would be picking first in three of the five rounds. You would be picking first in two of the five. But you'd so it'd still be a get... slight advantage to me. I would have one more round where I'd be picking first in. In this draft, I am picking first in five of the five rounds. <laughs> okay, well, I pick first in five of the oh five gosh. rounds. Oh my gosh! All right, I'm just picking first. We're gonna go back and forth. <laughs> okay, I will take Jalen Wilson first. Um, uh, give me Grady Dick. Okay, I will take Dewan Harris. He fills up the stat sheet, and uh, I'll take Kevin McCuller. Okay, Kevin McCuller. Um, I do think because they shoot a lot of threes, we'll see a lot of KJ Adams. He just has the most trust, so I'll take KJ Adams at the five. <sighs> yeah, I I was I was trying to think of a scenario where I would get KJ Adams, but it didn't it didn't come true. Um, I mean, dude, like I get. I don't know. I'll give me Bobby Pettiford. Maybe he'll have a Bill's Sounds back. Like Bill you. likes Bobby. Yeah, he might play more. more. Extra confidence. Okay. Uh, hmm. I could go with MJ Rice. He could also shoot me into a negative like he did last <laughs> game for you. Uh, I'll take another big man. I'll go Ernest Duday. Bounce back game for okay. Ernest. I'll go. I'll go MJ Rice. Okay. I'm just gonna take a monopoly on the centers then. Call for all the rebounds. Okay. Zuby Edgefer. That's fine. All right. So I could take Joe. And he might get negative. I could take Jankovic. Yep. Zach Clements is back, allegedly. Yeah. Give me Zach Clements. Why not? Okay. Why not? All right, Zach Clements. So undrafted. Bet, ag- bet against us. Joe Yesifu, Michael Jankovic, and uh, the other walk-ons. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk. We'll recap that on tomorrow. And maybe we'll do one for the, the final two games. It'll be cumulative uh, for whatever happens there. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it.